0: Tyler winning MVP this year. I hope so. Uh, you guys are you guys are up to something. Yeah. This was the worst comments I ever got on a high rated quarterback, and I've been doing this a long time.
1: They're just playing in the park. We pads on, so we're not gonna talk about a whole lot of nothing.
0: Tuesday is sparring day. Wednesday is the day that we install everything that we're gonna do in the game, and Thursday we just turn it up a notch, you know.
1: All right, we're right back at you here, going back-to-back, back, even though they won't be released that way. But we're jumping right into the AFC South here. And definitely four teams that uh, – it's always this division is always kind of funny to predict. And they're always a division that's like, oh, the AFC South is on the come-up. And, um, I mean, I think we've seen some of these teams be competitive, but none of them really have made any – Meaningful noise over the past few years, other than the the Colts making the AFC uh, Championship game and whatever season that was with uh, the DeflateGate scandal. But uh, I, I think that this division this year is is almost more interesting than ever. I think uh, we're going to have some some more uh, controversial takes potentially than we did in the in the AFC AFC West because. I think there's a lot of – honestly, I mean, I, other than the Titans, man, I think we talked about this last year where you could predict this division to go, you know, one through four, and then it just comes in the opposite.
0: Yeah.
1: And and so I think that's what makes this division always kind of fun, always a little bit of a wild card. And and let's just start off with last year, the Jacksonville Jaguars. What, what a fall from grace it was. What a and, fall from uh, And somewhat, somewhat validating for me in terms of the Blake Bortles uh, – Era ending Cliff, you. as we as we all knew it was. Uh, expect something similar from Mitch Trubisky in this season. Just put that out there. Yes, sir. And then uh, and so, but but I mean, let's let's jump into it. The big the big addition that the Jacksonville Jaguars made in 2019 was Nick Foles. Uh, brought him over from Philadelphia, and I mean they didn't pay him, in my opinion, too much money. And I think he's gone for about 22 a year for the next three or four years. I can't remember exactly how long that deal is. But I think he's going to bring a much-needed competence to that position. And if I do say so myself, I think that if he had been playing in that AFC Championship game uh, against the Patriots when his Eagles ended up going to Super Bowl and beating the Patriots, I think they would have beat them. I think if you put Nick Foles on that Jags team, I think you would would have seen the Jaguars-Eagles Super Bowl. Other than the fact that Carson went towards ACL, but yeah, you get my point. But I think I think that this is a good decision for them, and I, I don't think you know Nick Foles is some all-world quarterback. But at the same time, you've seen him come up huge
2: um,
1: for the for the Eagles when they needed him. I mean, you even go back to last year when they needed that drive against the Texans to kind of keep their season alive, and there he was and made it happen. They snuck into the playoffs. Uh, they beat the uh, Bears at Soldier Field. I mean, that's not a hard thing to do. That defense was unbelievable last year for Chicago. And Nick Foles went into Chicago and beat the Bears. I mean, this is a guy who's been proven on the biggest level, on the biggest stage. And I think just to get that kind of presence in this Jags locker room is what they really need. A dude who has kind of clout and a guy that can kind of throw his weight around a little bit and and kind of put some people on this team who have been talking a lot in the last few years um in their play not so much in their place but just to, to silence all the noise that's kind of come out of this locker room in the past few seasons.
0: Yeah, Clef, I completely agree. Um, I think, you know, Nick Foles uh, is gonna just be a nice steadying presence that they have sorely missed at quarterback. And I I think that's an interesting point what you brought up about him potentially, you know, that thought experiment of what if if he was a quarterback, uh, then potentially winning the Super Bowl this year. And I just, my initial gut feeling on this team is it might be too little too late, you know? I just, I don't know. I feel like that, the magic is, is kind of gone. Uh, and I don't know. I just, the way that I feel about um, uh, Indianapolis and I don't, I don't know. I just see this team kind of being the third team in this division. Um, and it's kind of based all off me just having a gut feeling of them just kind of being an 8-8 eight eight team. And Foles kind of having... I don't want to say a disappointing year, but not being necessarily the guy that they needed to take that next step in year one at least. Um, and this is all kind of pure speculation. I just don't – I don't know. Last the With how the year went last year, I think that this team has maybe lost a little bit of the swagger that they had from two years ago. And I think this might be a little bit of a – taking the next step from however many wins they had last year, four, to maybe a, a, a seven or eight win season um, and, and maybe a baby step. But that's just my, uh, my gut feeling.
2: Yeah, uh, I kind of feel similarly. I think on one hand there's a lot of things to be excited about in Jacksonville. I love their draft. I love the fact that they picked up Josh Allen with the seventh pick, who I thought could have gone as high as three or four. Uh, and then Juwan Taylor in the second round really bolstering their offensive line. I think that was a total steal. And then some of their later round guys are actually proving to do some things in camp. Um, but then on the other hand, it's like, I don't know if Jalen Ramsey is happy in Jacksonville. I don't know if Leonard Fournette is happy in Jacksonville. Y- Yannick Ngakwe as well, who's had like trade rumors. Yannick Ngakwe. And Telvin and Smith, and Smith, Smith is out is for the this this year. doing some personal stuff. To, due to personal reasons. I just think that there's... The talent is there, but like Tommy said, I think this might be a little bit too little too late. I think there's a somewhat of a disconnect between the front office, uh, Tom Coughlin, Doug Marone, and the players in the locker room. And I think that regardless of how much talent this team has, because the talent is there, there's there's undoubted talent on this roster. And I think that Nick Foles is going to be good for this team. Obviously, he's going to be a definite step up for Blake Bortles, but... I just still think that there are a number of reasons to kind of not believe in this team and it may be unfair to say, but most of them are kind of off the field and most of them are are personality issues and issues with gelling and being able to work as a unit kind of. Um, I think there are a lot of personalities on this team and I don't necessarily believe that they're going to be able to kind of put all these pieces together in a way that's going to result in, a dominant season because that's what this team should be doing is they should be dominant. They really should. You're going to pay Nick Foles this much money and you're going to expect him to be a solid quarterback. You have all the pieces there. You arguably have one of the best defenses in the league, even without Telvin Smith. I think Jake Ryan is a very good replacement. He's not going to be as good, but he's solid. I think Ronnie Harrison, like I said on the uh, surprise year cliff year podcast, I think he's poised to have a good year. Um, They got a good offensive line. Like I said, I like DD Westbrook a lot, but There's just really, honestly, something stopping me from believing in this team fully. And it's the fact that Jalen Ramsey is talking about how much money he's going to ask for when the year is over. Why are you concerned about that? You should be concerned about succeeding on the field and doing your best. And and him and Leonard Fournette, are maybe it's petty from my end, but I want to believe in this team, but I honestly just don't. There's something telling me this team is going to result in seven to eight wins and miss the playoffs. And... If they don't, then they're going to be dominant. And I yeah. just don't see a realm in which they're really going to be dominant. So I'm going to kind of fall back on Jalen Ramsey's not going to play for this team next year. Lennon Fournette may want out after this year. Telvin Smith is leading for deeper reasons than just personal issues. There's something going on. I think Marone and, and Coffin, like I said, are very old-fashioned guys. And this is kind of a new wave team. There's a lot of young, uber-talented players on this team. And I just think that – this season might result in a disconnect um, on that level, and that's why I'm ultimately pinning Jacksonville as kind of an eight-win team.
1: Uh, do watch out for Joe Giles Harris.
2: Yeah, undrafted
1: David- out of Duke, nice little linebacker.
2: Yeah. Apparently Quincy Williams, this guy they got from Murray State, is having a really, really good camp. It's uh, Quinn hmm. Williams' brother. Oh, it is. It's it's Quinn
0: Williams' know know uh, big bro, I believe. Uh, yeah. I just to just. If we're sitting here in January and the Jaguars are, like, the one the division, I, we're the... They're the, a Super Bowl threat. Yeah, and and the the juju that Lee and I are referring to just worked itself out, and it wasn't the problem that we, you know, I, it's not... I would not be surprised, I, I, you know, past what we just said, I wouldn't be that surprised. It's just my initial feeling on this team is I just like the Colts better, um, and even though I don't like the quarterback situation in Tennessee, I think that Tennessee kind of has a higher floor than them. Um, so, I mean, we'll get into that. But I just there's, I just think this team maybe missed their window. And despite the personnel that they've accumulated and, and the good draft picks they've made, uh, I just think, you know, it's, it's not going to s- spell well. And, but also, look out for my boy Picasso Nelson Jr. in that cornerback room. Picasso Nelson Jr., man. Woo! That's a name. He's making the team.
1: Let's go to the, the Tennessee Titans that Tommy was just referencing. But And, and boys, I'm, tr- I'm trying to look over this roster, but I, I just can't help but look at that number one spot on the quarterback list in Marcus Mariota. And I, I can't really get past it. And that's, yeah. that's a, little, a little frustrating for, for me yeah. that I just can't really get excited about this team just because of who was under center. But I think maybe just kind of start off this conversation. We're really referencing in the AFC West episode about Vic Fangio saying this thing isn't going to get off to a, a hot start. I think that kind of goes across the board with defensive head coaches. I mean, you can look to Matt Patricia, even in Detroit, it takes a little longer for defensive head coaches to get their vision. I think into, into place with an offensive head coach, they can kind of bring in their offense. You can see things pretty, almost into their first year you can see see a change but when it comes to defensive guys I think that vision takes a little bit longer to develop and I almost think that's how what you saw with the Jeffrey Simmons pick that long-term vision that Vrabel has for this team bringing in a horse like that who's not going to be available for this year with that torn ACL in the pre draft process but I, I think this team while they can compete in 2019 I think that you know i think they just have a longer term view and i don't think Marcus Mariota is part of that long term view and that just makes it hard for me to pick this team to do anything other than kind of go 8 and 8 this year
0: yeah i can compl- i ahead. completely agree Clef. um i guess where i have a little bit just what they've done the past Two years being uh, well, I guess they didn't make the playoffs last year because they came down. They've
2: gone nine and seven the past three years. I just yeah, want to put that out there. Yeah,
0: it's it's a, and I think this is going to be a recurring theme with all of these teams. Uh, when we get to Houston, who what they have at the quarterback position and how their roster really isn't that good, but it's elevated by the elite quarterback they have in Deshaun Watson. And here it's the ex- exact opposite. Where I look at this roster and it's an awesome roster. Uh, Jeffrey Simmons, being getting him at 19 like they did, I think was awesome. And AJ Brown, I think, is a guy who has su- extremely high floor and could be one of the better slot receivers in the NFL from day one. Um, and is going to be a, a really a really nice addition uh, to this team. And then on defense, I think they have a really a really good group. And I really like Mike Vrabel a lot. And he, I think, is my favorite of the defensive head coaches. And I think that he kind of transcends uh, maybe that label and is much more of a, a head coach and a, and a motivator. But I, I'm kind of with you, Clep. Um, I just don't see the high high upside in this team, and I think their they're, they're ceiling is losing in the wildcard round, really. Like, they're going to maybe squeeze in the playoffs and they'll lose yeah. in the wild card round because at the end of the day, Marcus Mariota is their quarterback, and he can only take you as far as... He can't. So that's
2: my that's my take. Not a lot of disagreement. We can I can wrap this one up pretty quickly because I really agree with mostly everything you guys have said. Don't have a lot of belief in Marcus Mariota. Think Corey Davis has been a disappointment uh, for the most part. Don't think he's going to elevate to the level anyone believes in in Tennessee. Uh, Tennessee's brass ever really believed he would. I don't think he's ever really going to be elite or dominant. And. Yeah, I mean, I think this defense is going to be smash mouth. I think this team is going to win games that we don't expect them to win and lose games that we expect them to win. And I'm really interested for the Week 1 matchup at Cleveland. I just want to say that. I think that's a really interesting matchup just to kind of see if this Tennessee team can come out and make a statement with uh, arguably the most hyped team coming into the uh, 2019-20 NFL season. I think that's going to be super interesting. Where, Where is that game? In Cleveland.
0: And also not to, and I think, I mean, not to just get in the AFC North, but I think that's a great test for Cleveland in that you know that I don't believe Tennessee's going to go out there and lay an egg. They're going to be prepared, and it's not going to be a walkover victory for for Cleveland. But, I mean, I think it's just kind of disappointing. If I'm a Titans fan, it's like our first, you get Nate Davis in the third round, who's a hog molly. Uh, They got Roger Saffold. They have a really good-looking offensive line. They got Amani Hooker in the fourth round, who's a guy that I really wanted the Cowboys to take. In the second round, a very versatile safety. I just think they're doing all the right things. They just don't yet have it set at quarterback. Did. And I, and I yeah. you know, my prophecy is that uh, I'm going to go ahead and say that Tennessee is giving up a bevy of first-round picks to take their quarterback in next year in next year's draft. I'm going to.
2: I think that's interesting.
0: I, I think I'm going to say that much like they did in 2015 to get Marcus Mariota.
1: Over/under uh, four Six starts for Ryan Tannehill.
0: I'm going to say under, but that is a good line. I'm
2: going gonna, I'm gonna to say under or maybe flat four. I think that I could see him starting about a quarter of the season. Uh, I just, yeah, I have no faith in Marcus Mariota. I have no faith in him. Yeah. I almost dare I make a comparison here, and it might be a little outlandish. The Tennessee Titans are the Detroit Pistons of the NFL. <laughs> I, really, I really genuinely believe that. Obviously, the NFL is a much more competitive league, So you're, but they're in purgatory. This team has no chance of winning the Super Bowl. There's no yeah. chance this team will win the Super Bowl. Even if you're the diehard Tennessee fan and you want to believe it, there is no chance you're going to win the Super Bowl. Tommy said the ceiling is losing in the wildcard round. I'll give them that. I think their ceiling is nine wins and missing the playoffs like they usually do. Um, I, I don't see the light, really. Yeah. I think Vrabel might be unfairly fired because uh, not uh, maybe, maybe not after this year, but I I don't know. I just think that this team is is, Tennessee is stuck and they're, they're spending money on guys like Cameron Wake they're bringing in. And Malcolm Butler is the guy they brought in last year. Uh, Kenny Vaccaro they're bringing in. It's just a lot of filling in holes that are still leaking in a way. You just filled (laughs) them up halfway. Um, You know, I I just, I, I don't, I don't really see, I don't have a lot of faith in this team. I don't see it. And I'm, I, I have more, like uh, like we said, with pop. I think Jacksonville's got more pop, and Tennessee's probably got a higher floor. But I do not see Tennessee, I think nine is the absolute ceiling, and I, I see this team as an eight-win team. Yeah.
1: Let's go to the Colts. And, Lee, I'm almost going to pass this one off to you here, but just for me quickly, I think that the Colts have a chance to be one of the more elite teams uh, in the AFC. Yeah. I'm with
2: you. Um. I'm going to go ahead and prophesize it. Not that you guys are going to be surprised. The Colts are going to win this division. Uh, and I think the Colts will get a first round buy in the playoffs this year. I think, I think the Indian- you want me I'm to miss- me throw that in the prophecy? Go ahead and throw it in the prophecy. I think the Indianapolis Colts are ready. The rebuild stage is over. They have their general manager, obviously, who's making a great, move, great moves. They're drafting really well. I think they're an extremely well-coached team. I think they're analytically up-to-date with what's going on in the league. And I think that the Indianapolis Colts are going to now finally make that step to Kansas City, New England territory, where I think like Tommy mentioned earlier with the Chiefs, that week five game Sunday night at Kansas City is going to be so exciting. And I think that these teams are, it's going to be an absolute battle. And, you know, I really don't have too much else to say. If you guys can understand, I think Andrew Luck is going to be, uh, he's my favorite to win MVP this year. And I just think this team is going to, is a well-oiled machine with a great offensive line, a very solid defense, and an elite quarterback, and a very good coach. There's not a lot of things to, to doubt, and I think, especially after reviewing this division. The Colts are going to eat this division alive. Um, and I'm going to go ahead and make another prophecy here. <laughs> I'm going to say that the Indianapolis Colts are the only team in the AFC South to win double-digit games, and I can see this division winding up as the Colts – with 13 wins and everyone else with no higher than eight wins. Yeah, I just sure. see that the Colts are going to be the they are finally going to assert themselves this year as the kings of this division, as the team to beat in the AFC South. And I think the confusion stage of of one through four can be flip flopped. I think that stage is kind of over now. I think that the Colts are the number one, and I see the we'll get in the Texans after this. Titans, Texans, and Jags kind of all in similar situations in a way. Um, and I think the Colts are the team that really rises above. And I'd be interested to see how much you guys disagree.
0: Yeah, I mean, I could take I could take over from here. And I, this is just an impressive organization. What Chris Ballard has been able to do as general manager, especially after last year, when uh, if I if I remember correctly, we all were kind of seeing the potential that this team could have. And you know, they had the sixth pick and they took Quentin Nelson. It's like they're building towards something, and they can maybe have an eight win season. And they really just took that to the extreme. And had a really good year. And Andrew Luck all reminded us of why he's an elite quarterback and dispelled any of the notions that he, he was over the hill. Um, and I just really like what this team did in the offseason. Uh, I think Paris Campbell is going to be really good for them. Bringing in Devin Funchess, I don't love, but they, they had so much cap space that they gave them a lot of money for one year, and they can just they can live with that. Um, my man Dion Kane is coming back this year, too who I really liked in the draft process last year but towards ACL unfortunately um, in minicamp last year, I just the, they, the personnel that they select they are they know who they, what they want in football players and I just think that it's a like we were talking about with Kansas City and New England is the overarching you know every year, they're starting to develop a system where they have pieces in place to execute their game plan and just have a, a very high floor and then they have the quarterback on top of that. So I just think this team is going to be uh, the top dog in this division, and uh, I don't, you know, I don't really second guess that at all.
1: I will say here too, I, I like their their draft picks in a way too. You're talking about Paris Campbell, but also I think kind of overhauling um, some of that, their linebacker spots. I mean, Darius Leonard was a, a stud for them last year, absolute stud, one of the best line, not only just for a rookie, but just one of the best linebackers in the league last year. And you kind of had Anthony Walker, who, from Northwestern, he's just kind of an okay player. And you bring in a guy like Bobby Okereke and Ben Banigu to, I think, kind of bring some juice into that linebacker room. And I'll be honest, I don't know much about him, but they, they picked a guy named EJ Speed from Tarleton State. And I kind of like the sound of that.
2: Yeah, and kind of like Alex the sound. I we'll have to look into the- the- you know, Ballard knows his players, man. I, I love and, it. I and I mean, I like think the Rocky Sin pick was really Plus good, Steller. too. I think, yep.
1: unfortunately, Quincy Wilson hasn't been well, what they expected him to be. And you bring back uh, Pierre Desir, um, who kind of surprised last year. I mean, I don't think they paid too much money for him either. But I, I think bringing in Rocky Sin was a nice little addition for them, too. I mean, kind of second round corners are somewhat a dime a dozen yeah. in terms of which ones are going to pan out. But um, I think that they just brought in some competition to some positions that really could use uh, an influx of, of talent or just some young guys that are hungry.
2: Yeah. Two other things I really liked what this team did in the offseason. They really didn't make any mistakes, in my opinion. I think bringing in Justin Houston, maybe you overpaid him a little bit. Huge veteran presence, still very good. Yeah, but good it's like team. you have all that
1: cap room. Like, yeah, exactly.
2: Jazz. That's what I'm saying. Yeah. Still, Still a very good player. Veteran presence, hungry for a Super Bowl. A guy who's going to be a locker room guy, I think. And then I love, I absolutely love that this team didn't draft a running back. Putting faith in Marlon Mack and Naheem Hines, who had great years last year, letting them develop. I think their backfield is okay. They don't really need to make any moves. They signed Spencer Ware as a third guy, but I just think that, like Tommy said, I couldn't agree more with the fact that we're really
1: like even them getting like sucked into signing Le'Veon Bell. Yeah,
2: yeah. Well, they know their like, identity. That's what I was just. Yeah, about they, to just, say. They, they just they just didn't do
1: it, and I was happy they that they didn't do that. And also, look out for Penny Hart. Undrafted free agents. Yep. Senior Bowl standout,
2: Senior
0: Bowl standout for sure, and a guy who is gonna eat. He's gonna eat in that slot. I know that. I know that for sure. Great, great route runner. Um, I, I mean, yeah. I, just to keep going over this depth chart. I mean, they just really bringing in your uh, Bobby uh, Okaworke. Just getting athletes in that in that uh, in that linebacker room who fit that modern mold, who can match up with with tight ends and and do a bunch of different things. Uh, they just they. Much like Philly, all these elite franchises that we're talking about—they know their identity, they know their system, and they—they they draft towards that. And like you were saying, they missed with Quincy Wilson, but hey, like we—we we realized that mistake, and we're bringing in Rockieson this year, who was mocked to them, you know, he was their guy, and every in a lot of mock drafts, uh, they're just doing it right. And I just—they have they definitely have the highest floor in my opinion, uh,
2: just based on that.
1: It is unfortunate that Terrell Basham sick.
0: Yeah, that is. It.
2: Yeah, I'll prophesize that this team is going to win the division, and I I think the the Colts I think the floor is twelve wins. I'm serious. I think this team is winning twelve or more games. I see them more at thirteen. I think they're going to take the league by storm completely this year and be be like I said, have a first round bye.
1: Let's jump to the Texans, and Leo all pass this one off to you as well, if you don't mind. Yeah. I, I feel like you have a few things you want to say. I
2: got some I got some things to say, and that's um. This is a hard team for me to analyze, but this is a team I see on a downward trajectory. Uh, I love Deshaun Watson. I think he has the potential to be an elite quarterback, but that's really the only thing about this team, him and De- uh, DeAndre Hopkins and Will Fuller, I just think is the only thing to really be excited about, about this team. I think their defense is getting older and tired, and I think that you could kind of tell last year, especially in the playoff game. They, they really kind of got dominated by Indianapolis in that playoff game. It was, the score was closer than the game was, I thought. Really hard, had a hard time getting things going on offense. And ultimately, I think this is, I prophesied it, this is Bill O'Brien's last year being a head coach for the Houston Texans. I think he'll get fired during the season. I think that this team, it's, it's really, I don't think it's going to work for them. And, and to make my point even deeper here, the first seven weeks of their season, they have a bye week 10. The first seven weeks of their season at New Orleans, home to Jacksonville, at the Chargers, home to Carolina. Then you got home to Atlanta, at Kansas City, at Indianapolis. That's a gauntlet of a schedule to start. I think that this team is going to feel the wrath of that gauntlet. I think Deshaun Watson is going to take too many hits, and you guys, I know you both agree with me, just blind, blind to the fact that their offensive line is a bottom five offensive line in the league, did little to nothing to address it besides drafting Titus Howard, and Max Sharping, who both objectively by by scouts and analytics people in the NFL world were highly over drafted. I just think that the, the, this team is they don't have the luxury of drafting projects. They need to draft guys yeah, that are gonna help them. Let me out. let me jump into
1: my little point here at Texas Lee last night. Texans are the new organizational hubris team yep. of the NFL.
2: I couldn't agree more. They've they
1: taken they have taken the torch uh, from the Seattle Seahawks permanently. Uh, I, also, too, with the whole Nick Casario thing, firing firing their GM after the draft, and then just expecting that Nick Casario was going to walk into their building. Pat hit him with the, with a the tampering thing, and then they don't get Casario, and now we're just kind of like treading water here. And it's like like Lee was saying. I mean, these these picks and Titus Howard and Max Sharping. It's like I'm not going to sit here and say that these guys because they're small school dudes because their projects can't be good in the NFL, but you're not the team that can afford to develop these projects right now. Yeah. Like, even if you think that Titus Howard maybe has a higher ceiling than a guy like Dalton Risner, like, don't draft him because you have to start these dudes. Yeah. And you're just throwing them into a pool of sharks, kind of. And, and I just don't think that, that those are very smart picks from where this offensive line is at at the moment. Bringing in Kahale Warring as a tight end in the third round is just like, okay – like, I don't really understand what that pick is either. You drafted
2: Julian last year, and you
1: have— Yeah, and, I mean, you didn't even really bring in any any juice to your defense. Uh, I don't—their defense is pretty much staying the same. Everyone's just kind of a year older.
0: Yeah, I am a Charles Menehue fan, but that's really the only draft pick that I really like, to be honest. Um,
1: and, I mean, like we were saying with Rocky, they brought in Lonnie Johnson from Kentucky uses a corner— these dudes are kind of a diamond dozen, and we'll see. It's kind of like throwing spaghetti at the wall with, and see what sticks in terms of that run on second-round corners that happens every year.
2: I, I, don't, I feel so bad for Deshaun Watson, man. I really think that he's so talented, but I think his career has already gotten off to a tainted start because of Bill O'Brien, and it started the very minute that Tom Savage was starting over Deshaun Watson week one. Yeah, uh, I just think that if that doesn't prove that your coach isn't quite getting – or fully understanding the the ins and outs of his team, which he should be more than anybody. I, I just I'm so I'm such a sell on this team, man. I really am. Every Clowney's a year older, merciless is a year older, Watts a year older. They they Deshaun Gibson's their safety. They signed Bradley Roby to a one-year contract, which I kind of like. But Jonathan Joseph and Roby are their corners. I just this team is tired to me, man. They're tired. I would would
1: like there's been a lot of talk just kind of on like sports talk shows this week just about free agency in the NBA and how free those players are just to move around. And I don't totally agree with some of the stuff that people have said about, you know, how much control players should have over the situation. I think it creates some issues in the NBA. But if you could just move one dude off of any team in the NFL and put him somewhere else, I'd put Deshaun Watson. Yeah. anywhere like yeah. I just I would just move him to a team like the 49ers yeah. or not that they're even run that well but just putting him with a guy like Kyle Shanahan or just throwing him to, to LA like Absolutely. it's just I would I would use my power to, to move Deshaun Watson to a situation that yeah. was was better for him
2: yeah I think the Texans are an absolute disarray man and with yeah. the whole GM situation out I just think man they're they are searching right now. They're absolutely searching and scrambling for some type of answers, and they are not there, and they're late to the party. And uh, this is a eat-or-be-eaten league. And I just think that, man, especially, again, after going over this division, man, this is not a team that's going to elevate themselves, I don't think. Uh, I really don't. So that pretty much wraps Should we get, up. In,
1: should we get into predict, predicting how this things going to fall out?
2: Yeah, absolutely. I'll start it off because I finished last time here, and, and I've given away basically how I feel. Uh, Colts, 13 wins. No other team in this division is making the playoffs in the prophecy right now. No, the, the Colts will be the only team in this division making the playoffs. I see the Jaguars maybe coming in second. Honestly, this is where I see the shuffle. Yeah. This is where I see the shuffle. The shuffle. I, I think the Texans could come in second at 7-9 yeah. and nine, or 8-8. Eight and, eight, and And just be – Deshaun Watson could, could mu- and, and Hopkins could muscle them – to to eight wins, but I don't think they're going to get much more than that. So I'll call it a draw and a tie for second and last with all three teams finishing between eight, six and eight wins or seven and eight wins here. I I don't think the floor is super low. I think the lowest floor is the Texans because I think things can go from bad to worse after the first seven weeks. So I'll say just for this podcast sake, I'll say Colts number one. I'll say Titans number two because of their fight wow! And, and, and I'll go Jags three, Texans four.
0: Yeah. I mean, I might have, I have the exact same feelings where I have the Colts at one and I think it could just be seven wins across the board for the two, three or, or eight, you know, six to eight wins. Um, and it comes down to, you know, I think the Titans have the best roster, but the worst quarterback of the remaining three the Jaguars in the middle and the Texans have the worst roster, but the best quarterback by far of those of those three teams um so it's a quarterback league so you know oh man i I don't even really want to do it but i'll go colts one texans two jaguars three titans four and the titans with eight wins at four they all have eight wins two through four have eight wins i know that (laughs) that you're
2: going with the tie i know know that
0: can't happen but i just i i hate this i hate this it's stupid
1: (laughs) um i'm gonna pick the the colts to win the division so across the board for us but you You know know what i i like the jags as a playoff team this year I'm just going to oh, wow. put that out there. I, I don't know if I was you know, very clear with my, my feelings for them when we were going over them, but I, I think you know, I'll make my formal predictions as we get closer to the, the start of the regular season, but I, I really do think the Jaguars have a good chance to be a wildcard team. Um, so I'll, I'll put them second. I'm going to put the, the Texans third and the Titans fourth, and I, I think you'll see the Texans go something like 7-9, and 8-8 eight eight just because of Sean Watson, and I really think this is going to be a trash year for the Titans. Um, I think everyone in the building kind of knows that uh, Mariota's time is up, and I think especially if the season gets off to a to a slow start, um, something like you know three and five through, through the halfway mark, you might see Ryan Tannehill make a few starts because you know uh, we, we were talking about this earlier,ly just about how the the head coach personality and the the quarterback personality don't match. Mm-hmm. So yeah. uh, I'll pick them to, to finish last, but I I think that this is kind of the year that uh, the Colts assert themselves. Absolutely,
2: I'm with you
0: awesome we, we have some more uh, dissent in the next coming podcast. The AFC West and the AFC South, we seem to have very similar feelings on uh, all the teams.
1: Yeah, we'll see. I think NFC uh, East maybe. NFC yeah. South. Please look for the Bucs. We'll be